Hello, welcome back to this free episode of TF. It is it's the free one. <laughs> it's it's the free one. You thought we it's forgot that joke, free one. but we didn't. Well, welcome to the free one. Welcome to the free episode. You're listening to Riley and the free one. <laughs> you are listening to the free one. You're listening to Riley and the free one. Uh, up next, we have a <laughs> we have a great new song from Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads. It's called Radar Van. I think That's you're gonna right. love it. Yeah. Uh, but before that, we have a uh, a little uh, advertisement. For a, a number of uh, companies, uh, products, labor union organizing. Uh, so that's going to take about an hour and a bit. And then I'm Sweet. sure we will uh, transition to the song. Great. So um, I would like to first say hello and uh, ask how you're doing. Talk to your phone. Uh, just say it. I'm sure I'll get the vibe. And also mm. to introduce my... Wow. Uh, wow. All of you. Are, wow. Yeah. That's depressing. I'm oh, sorry. you're all good. Yeah. Please oh, no. pause the recording and talk about your breakfast. Yeah. Talk about your day. Um, it is uh, Riley, Alice, Nate, and Milo. That's right. And yep. we are joined, we're very happy to be joined, in fact, uh, by uh, Sam Knight of the uh, District Sentinel and co-host of DC Sentinel Radio. Sam, how's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. Long time, uh, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're through to the free one. Yes, that's right, Sa- Sam. You are the fortieth caller. <laughs> um, uh, so- I was expecting to speak with the Gooch. <laughs> <laughs> the Gooch is out this week. Fill- filling in for the Gooch is the free one. The Play Gooch is in men. rehab. <laughs> <laughs> the Gooch has been arrested for shoplifting. That's all right. <laughs> Yeah, we, we can afford good lawyers for him. Yeah. Though. He'll be fine. That's right, he'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So look, I, I I had this written down in the notes. I've taken it out, but it's too fun not to just address really quickly. Okay. So that um, our favorite actively managed fund, uh, the Ark Innovation Fund, has a new price mm-hmm. target for Tesla. Okay. It's currently its current price is six hundred billion dollars, which is already ridiculous. Yeah. I would cool. like um, I would do a quick round of guesses. Uh, Sam, what do you think that the 2025 price target is from this very serious investor that actually does drive quite a bit of money? I would say uh, $960 billion. Uh, okay, price, of r- price is right rules. You're not over. Uh, Alice. It, it, you're, he, what? He's now not Alice over. Alice is going to say 961. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, Christ. What? Uh, uh, is a thousand billion a trillion? Yeah, a thousand billion is a trillion. Yeah, mm. fine, that. One trillion. One trillion dollars, Mr. Still Bond. not over Price's Right rules, Milo. Uh, oh, fuck's sake, it, really? Uh, one trillion Dogecoin. Um, that is epic. That is about a billion dollars, I think. I don't know what Dogecoin's valued at right uh, now. Okay. That's not very much. Damn. Um, shit. <laughs> fuck. Nate. <laughs> Uh, one point one trillion dollars. All of you need to dream bigger. Three trillion. Wow. Three trillion. Twenty-five percent of the UK G- or the US GDP. Yeah, that's what the that's their bulk. That's Ark's bull case for Tesla in twenty twenty-five in sure. four years. What the sure. fuck are these people smoking? Well, they have, are they foreseeing like hyperinflation? Like well, what? They've assumed that Tesla's production is going to multiply by twenty, and that it's going to provide every autonomous taxi journey uh, in the country and world. Cool, I can see that okay. happening. I, I don't Absolutely. see why that wouldn't happen. Sure thing. 
and also what's very funny is they assume that the uh, their in-car smart insurance program that changes your premiums minute to minute based on Great. stuff like Love the weather, how you're driving, uh, whether you have the windows down, is going to make more uh, profit than any other insurance program uh, ever. So is that like, like as my car Texas is like barrel like- rolling through the air, my insurance premium is going up. I'm like, whoa, it seems like you're driving pretty unsafely. <laughs> oh, another flip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're giving you the fucking Tony Hawk's pro skater thing. <laughs> it's like the combo score. <laughs> Have they figured out a way to uh, uh, make energy companies that run, that harness the energy of exploding Teslas? <laughs> uh, that's the only if thing so, to me that I kind explain. of see it. If, it maybe maybe they've also figured out a way that uh, the economy can be based on Elon Musk's reply guys. Yeah, well, that's what we've done. We have taken the entire U.S. and turned it into an internal combustion engine where exploding Teslas are in fact the fuel. Um, it's just wild to me because like when when uh, Boeing was determined to have released a plane with the critical flaw known as plane go down, that actually affected <laughs> their stock price. And yet Tesla, yeah. despite its co- like spontaneous combusting cars, that has not affected them. Like in fact, there was a brief sort of wobble, but now it seems to be back up again because yeah. our economy is based on rational thinking. Yeah, it's yeah. based on vibes, and it's based on vibes on Twitter. And Tesla has the most powerful brained fans who will be like asking Elon Musk to be like, Mr. Musk, sir, I love your work. I think you're very epic, but I don't think it's that epic that I was burned to death by my car. And <laughs> it's also, nice. it's also when, 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 I, when the thing caught on fire, all of the doors fell off at the same time in an unrelated thing. I'm not going to say it wasn't epic at all, but it wasn't as yeah. epic as usual. It yeah. kind of was epic because it was like it was like epic mealtime, like yeah. Tesla, the car that might cook you at random. That's a pretty epic <laughs> um, mealtime. Here's the other funny thing is now that you can buy Tesla in Bitcoin, if you wanted to buy Tesla because it's clean energy, why, now you can't. why would you want to buy anything in Bitcoin? It's like a currency, the value of which fluctuates massively minute by minute. Well, also, if you wanted to buy an electric car because it's uh, better for the environment, you can now offset that by buying it yeah. in Bitcoin. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, yeah, anyway, Bitcoin, yeah. Bitcoin also uses electricity. It sort anyway, of makes look, sense. I, I didn't want to spend too much time on, on the Tesla thing. I just, I thought, th- I saw that. It was very funny I to do, me. I do appreciate the idea of an offset, but to make things worse. Like you have yeah, a, an, an evil offset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm a vegan because I don't like eating animals, but I do like destroying the environment. So like every time I eat a vegan burger, I also just like, I don't know, fucking buy yeah, I'm a paying of a Brazilian oil. guy to destroy part of the Amazon for me. Yeah, it's a carbon onset. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, so I want to also. T- I like it to be warm. <laughs> <laughs> turning up the thermostat on the I, earth. I want to sunbathe in Kent. <laughs> we, we all do, Milo. Come on. Yeah, that's all right. Who wouldn't want to go to. um. A uh, wonderful, God, where's Ramsgate? Where's yeah, Ramsgate, Bazon C, Mar- Margate, etc. Margate, Ramsgate. So, uh, yeah. I want to talk briefly also about the um, ongoing, uh, uh, you might say, deterioration of mm. the uh, human rights situation in England at the hands of our uh, wonderful constabulary. Oh no, not the human rights crisis in England. Yeah. Oh fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's where I am. <laughs> Finally, we can get refugee <laughs> status somewhere. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, Avon. Uh, we all so basically right. There was a series of demonstrations against the police uh, connected to uh, the murder of Sarah Everard by a police officer Mm. and also connected to the passage of the policing and crime bill, which basically criminalizes annoying conservatives and police. And which they timed beautifully to coincide with a huge upswell of people hating the police. So if you one of the one of the the sort of elements of this bill is if you are annoying people in your area, then Mm. you're basically can be classed as a violent protest. 
Oh, they like bringing back the Asbo. Yeah. Effectively, yes, but uh, a much more like just it's all of these have always been culture war tokens, right? Like the mm. Asbo was to criminalize like the sort of dangerous and idle youth. This is to criminalize um, anyone who uh, is doesn't isn't currently wearing a dad's army shirt. Well, like it's, yeah. it's it's very sort of it's very much like the first year of law school where you drink too much and you're like, oh well, probably the thing with laws is the government just does whatever the fuck they want, don't they? Like basically, what we're doing here is we're uh, rejigging the 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 existing offense of breach of the peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and putting it on a slightly different statutory first thing, but mm-hmm. breach of the peace and now I guess public nuisance is just the we can arrest you for whatever the fuck we want law. Yeah. Uh, it mm-hmm. always has been th- to this extent. That's not new, but mm-hmm. what's new is that like they're ex- they're codifying that much more explicitly as yeah. just yes, whatever. And also, um, you know, it goes up to a maximum I think ten year prison sentence. Yeah, for uh, for upsetting a statue. Yeah, uh, it's bad news for my favorite pastime of parking up in front of the Winston Churchill statue in my tiny little Volkswagen, and then having fifty clowns get out of the back and, <laughs> and, and <laughs> lots of so yeah. Depressingly, depressingly, the public nuisance thing is not the most evil part of the bill. The most evil part of the bill is creating a kind of hyper trespass, uh, purely oh, on no. the basis of like, um, like. Are, are you a traveler? If so, we are making that yep. illegal. Yep. Um, and and it's like that. That's more or less. Dave just Courtney buying a caravan as world. we speak. That's right. Um, no, so it is basically one of the worst pieces of legislation to come out of the uh, British government in quite a while, which is an achievement. Um, yeah, it really. Is. So what happened Those was, guys, you know what? In- it's going to be illegal to. It's going. It's going to be illegal to live a nomadic yes. lifestyle, Which, basically without yeah. a permit. And basically, there is a major. Where's your fucking nomad? There's basically, an, and for American listeners, there is more or less an an ethnic group in England and 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 also Ireland and Scotland and Wales that does live a nomadic lifestyle just as part of their society. So we are essentially criminalizing that. Yeah, their whole yeah. thing. The only people who will be allowed to live nomadic lifestyles are people who are inspired by the Who's song "Going Mobile" to live in a caravan. So basically, only boomers will get those licenses. Everyone else, you're breaking the law and you're going to jail. All, all, all nomad licenses have been given to people who like code in the back of a, a camper van. That yeah, we well, you can do previously. that because you're always renting yes. wherever it is that you're going. Yeah, as, uh, look, as long as there's yeah. a landlord involved, that's all right. <laughs> but if you're cutting out the landlord out of the equation, that's just not English. That's not all right. So um, a little bit, a little bit more detail here. What happened was in Bristol there were protests against this law. They were peaceful, uh, much like the uh, protest uh, in, in 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 much like the vigil for Sarah Everard last week. Mm. These were peaceful protests. Then the police arrive and start kicking the shit out of people, and then uh, taking the police football always dives. have this amazing talent for arriving just as the violence kicks off, which I think shows the amount yeah, of training weird. they give the police. Yeah, well, it's just in, it's just in time manufacturing, but <laughs> exactly. for police they know just when to show up at the last second. Yeah. Although, did you see that um, one of the statements that Avon and Somerset Police put out was from the fucking operational commander on the ground, mm. who was like, in the assessment of my team, in their like professional judgment, uh, by sitting on the ground outside a police station, these people were aiming to provoke a violent response. And that's the whole statement, which, to my <laughs> mind, sort of begs the question of, and so therefore we decided to give them yeah. one. <laughs> well, how, so, how we can give it to people what they want? What's the problem with that? 
How could you possibly be... So by that logic, could a police officer just say, oh, he was crossing the street in a way that I found threatening? They were... Uh, uh, yes, first yeah. of all. Uh, they were sitting aggressively in, a, in, in relationship to myself and my colleagues. Uh, the ladies and the gentlemen there uh, were, in a, were in a sitting relation to our position, and uh, we found that sitting to be uh, of an aggressive nature, uh, at which point we uh, advanced to defuse the situation by beating them on the head with batons. <laughs> well, in fact... Um, Hey, that's 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 as that Labour MP tweeted. Yeah. Toby Perkins yeah. tweeted exemplary use of the yeah. baton, just fully <laughs> just like he put like, he mm, put on and mm, then sent mm, people to mm. a clinic. Yeah, he's a kendo guy. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> so I, I have to I have to ask to interrupt for a second just to to ask Sam a question because I left the U.S. before the BLM protests kicked off last year. Um, obviously, I remember it happening in 2014 and, and other moments, but uh, obviously it was a huge thing nationwide. And I remember I saw lots of footage of the cops being horrible bastards in America because our cops fucking suck. I'm wondering, though, do you recall any instances in which Democratic politicians were like, God, hell yeah, I'm so glad that dude cracked that fucking guy's head. What a great job. I love it when cops kick the shit out of people because that was the Labor Party that was doing that. You know, that that seems actually um, worse than anything I can recall hearing from a Democrat. That That's not to say that it didn't happen. Um, I think the Democrats here were uh, a different type of awful in that they would say like, oh, Black Lives Matter. Oh, and by the way, we have to give uh, $40 million in various city budgets to the police because they've had to work overtime this mm. summer uh, for the protests. But, yeah, uh, you know, various local jurisdictions uh, are terrible in their own way in, in ways that I'm, I'm not uh, uh, privy to all the time. And I think that for example, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot has been particularly bad, and uh, and and might come close to the uh, to the to the labor MPs in this regard. I think one of the big differences is that in, in the Democrats, those labor MPs didn't have a count. Yeah, that's right. The Americans, um, the, the the Democrats are like they want to seem like they're sort of quite right on and and with you and stuff, and they'll do all the same stuff that the labor MPs do. The labor MPs fucking hate you. And actually are more, they, they more than the Tory MPs want the police to kick the shit out of you because there's nothing the labor that or that section of the labor party now back in charge again hates more than uh, everyone in the country and just yeah. wants them to get the shit kicked out of them. And, and you were saying that this was uh, the, the worst legislation in a while, but I seem to recall, I think it was last year, was it in parliament uh, pass a law uh, basically saying that all the spy cop stuff was okay, yeah. and so that now uh, they can pretend to be uh, kids in hoodies drinking on the corner in order to uh, commit not just drinking yeah. and, 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 and any crime that the police do for an operational yeah. reason, the police or the intelligence services or the fucking highways agency or the marine and fisheries protection agency do is not yeah. a crime. However, anything that you might do that causes alarm to anyone uh, is yes. a crime. So that's cool. The one thing I, I wanted to to sort of pull out from what you said, Riley, is that, like, you're right, but there's an extra wrinkle to this, right? Which is the Labour Party, as, in its, as it's currently constituted, loves cops. Mm. The Conservative Party 
as much as they might occasionally pretend otherwise, they fucking hate cops, which yeah. is hilarious. Like, there is nothing they love more than cutting the police's budget and calling them plebs to their faces. <laughs> mm. And the cops are just like, mm, yes, more delicious boot, well, please. Well, you know, that, that was something I wanted to throw in there because it, it blows my mind that, yeah, I mean, obviously, Theresa May seemed to have a particular vendetta against the cops, which was hilarious. But, like, that's a huge difference between the Tories and the Republicans is that the Tories hate the state so much that that includes the police and the military. Like yeah, they're yeah. aggressively cutting the cops in <laughs> the military. They fucking They've hate cut the military them. almost yeah. in half since 20, 2010. And it's, yeah, it's like the one thing you're like, that actually kind of rules that you fucking hate cops that much. I'm coming back to my theory that the Tories are just like a series of like accelerationist entryists who have just like found themselves with all of the levers of power, but they can't make anything happen. And so all they're doing is just like, yeah, let's fucking cut all of the budgets. Uh, what, what, what I really enjoyed, though, was there was a, one Tory councillor in a now since deleted tweet said, ah, oh, we should just bomb Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I love that. Let's just. What if we just make um, the uh, Severn um, uh, 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 estuary much bigger? Yeah, why not? Th then all the Battle of the Britain cosplayers uh, would be satisfied mm. if they if they just bomb. No, the trouble is, right? them lot down in Bristol is they're wimps, right? Because they never had the Blitz. So if you beer, you bomb them, right? Then it'll be all right. <laughs> like in Basildon, where we had the Blitz. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what gets me about it also is just the fact that like y okay the t labor hasn't won since 1976 except under mm -hmm. blair and if you go back and you look at how blair governed and how the labor party governed in that period you know from from 1997 to 2010 like you can find hundreds of instances of just like really petty invasive cruel shit to discipline the workforce and just to be vindictive and, and mean like the the thing that i feel like we talked about we've talked about on streams but just like i still continually blows my fucking mind was that they're like well we have a problem with teens congregating so we're going to put in this special device that makes an annoying noise only teens can mm. hear and that that was like a national yeah. priority was yeah, to like fuck. make a fucking anti-dog whistle for teens to scare them away like that's just i just if someone proposed that in america in my personal opinion it would be like a joe arpaio person and they would just be completely fucking insane and they might like try it and get defrauded by a mm. private contractor doing it but like it would never be a national priority it would not be a thing that would be like debated well, in the house of they representatives did. they you know actually I mean? did it they didn't just debate it they did the uh, thing. i know they did it's it. crazy i know they, i know they did it and i know the fact that like they're still around some of them are still there and, like mm. i know people who've told me like no shit like i got a job because i was broke as a teenager working in a corner shop and they had one of those devices installed so my entire work shift i was getting fucking blasted by the <laughs> anti <laughs> it's just like, I mean, because the government sake, of Britain man. has existed. Like, in Britain, we hate young people. Anyone under yeah. twenty-five, they yeah, just we, we fucking we, hate. Well, and no, but we're raising the we threshold. Just give you tinnitus. As we're raising, a bit, we're raising the threshold of the young people we hate. And as you say, it's interesting that you mentioned the Tories also hate. Oh, some Tories actually do because there a lot of them are crazy libertarians. Are now actually the only people voting against the extension of emergency powers to the government for another six months. So Labour's voting with the government. Yeah. Tory rebels are voting against them, and they're doing my favorite political thing, which is um, extremely weird, literal me or metaphorical protest that only makes sense to them. Um, one mm. MP, uh, Sir Charles Walker, is walking around with a, um, <laughs> with, a with a pint of milk <laughs> for some reason. Cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, it's something that, that I, I, I remember. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but I, something that was a surprise to me, you know, upon kind of getting more acquainted with the politics here is that, uh, you know, it's more likely to find conservative MPs who will make public statements and enjoy, endorse campaigns opposing illegal settlements in Palestine because the Labor Party refuses to touch that issue. But there are like extreme law and order Tories who are like, well, no, it's international law and they're <laughs> breaching it. Sorry, that's, that's against the law. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, we're going to call Avon and Somerset <laughs> police on well, Israel. What's, what's funny though is that this guy, it, and a lot of them do very literal protests. Some will pro, some will be like, I'm eating a 20 year old biscuit in protest, <laughs> like uh, overreach by the food and, <laughs> and, and food standards agency. This guy says, yeah, I'm, I will walk around with a pint of milk forever as a coronavirus law protest. <laughs> Just a bunch of inscrutable old dude vibes. I, I will say this for our conservatives, which is at least when they involve milk in their protests, it's to uh, demonstrate against like uh, laws uh, mandating pasteurization or something. So they'll drink the milk and, and get sick. Yeah, raw milk is legal kind of shit where yeah. they're like, like fuck your laws. I'm going to drink this raw milk and then they immediately get the shits. Yeah, the the, uh, the tree of liberty has to be uh, watered with the uh, diary of patriots. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 is a good point. That yeah, there's this extent to which I keep thinking about like conservatives in America's fixation on my posts must be getting shadow banned because only six people are liking them. You need to you know combat that with a law. I think about stuff like weird niche causes you know whether it's like a congressperson getting furious about like barefoot anti-barefoot laws or like a congressperson just being like uh i yield the floor to my colleague who's going to scream about the, the traitor gulen for an hour because he's on the pay the you know the payroll of recep tayyip erdogan like there's there's just there's weird eccentric stuff like that too but i guess maybe because you're encountering it from afar it just it, it, it yeah a guy deciding he's going to walk around london with a pint of milk to protest government overreach i just I'm simply just, do I'm looking forward it. to uh, Graham Linehan being uh, invited <laughs> to uh, testify on behalf of Republicans at the uh, House subcommittee hearing <laughs> on uh, censorship or whatever. Hey, Alice, do you think there's a family member that Graham Linehan might bring up while testifying in front of the U.S. House My of Representatives? <laughs> That's My right. Wife. My um, all right, so I have one more quick local news item, then I want to get into a startup, and then we're going to talk yeah, about I'm not a family member topic. anymore. So, um. Uh, <laughs> um, it, and again, this is we're going to have to probably talk about this like more as time goes on. But I just thought this was really funny. Um, Liverpool City Council has basically been suspended by the central government and is going to be run yeah, yeah, for, doing for doing corruption. And they're going to be run by Robert Jenrick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Elliot yeah. fucking Ness is coming to Liverpool to get so, the health if Elliot order. Ness was running a competing so like fucking uh, pro prohibition racket like <laughs> yeah, yeah basically yeah yeah exactly it's like it's like you, effectively Al Capone has run Chicago for too long and he's run it into the ground so we've decided to put the city in administration and Sam Giancana has been put in place to take over <laughs> like it's 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 the exact I mean Jenrick for American listeners who aren't familiar uh, is a housing minister for the Tories and has been embroiled in a huge scandal with regard to uh unlawful uses of funds for for developer projects things like that and the thing about liverpool's council is that if i'm not mistaken the mayor got indicted for uh intimidating witnesses with regard yep. to a corruption scandal about misuse of public funds for real estate development because the Scouse economy buddy yeah. Body yeah, cause, 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 like 
looks like a guy you would make up for corrupt politicians. Yeah, 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 exactly. He he genuinely looks like like Dave Dave Courtney except not jester jovial Dave Courtney but just like he looks like if Dave Courtney was the lead actor on the shield. It's like Gizmo from Fort, uh, from Fallout 2. Now it's my understanding like. that this is highly illegal. <laughs> So basically, the thing about it is, is that find me any council in Britain that's doing real estate development, which all of them are, because literally, if they wanted to build council houses, like they, they're forced to build them at massive losses, so they don't. Um, and they'll be doing the same level of corruption. The general secretary of the Labour Party is uh, is massively implicated in a real estate scandal involving Croydon Council uh, to the point where like there's hundreds of millions of pounds missing on real estate deals. Uh, a company that was involved getting funds to do real estate deals has now gone into uh, administration, but uh, he basically sold all of his shares to his wife, and like they're still getting money My from wife. the council. Like it's it's a it's a My massive na- nightmare. Um, and. Uh, and so what, what does the Labour Party do? Uh, they basically have decided to go along with, to, to support the, the Tories putting their, basically, yeah, putting Sam Giancana in power in Liverpool, the most left-wing city. So the best way I could phrase this is Labour has decided to punish Liverpool for voting Labour too hard. And so because they know that they can't, that they would have elect another left-wing mayor, they've decided to let the Tories be in power because that's the ideal state of the Labour Party right now. This is Keir Starmer getting mad because someone was like, hey, do you know if we should let these kids be starving? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, oh my God. This reminds me, of, so um, uh, uh, back when I was still with my ex, um, she had this like really, really posh friend who I didn't get on with my so wife. well. But my, my wife, that's right, my <laughs> ex-wife. And, um, and, but she had this really, really cool boyfriend who, uh, I used to go along with. So I often ended up like, I always miss those guys. Yeah, I know. I often ended up like chatting to him at parties and stuff. And he was once, we once got to chatting about Liverpool and he was like, he's like, oh yeah, I have to go up there for work sometimes. He's like, he's like real fucking characters up there. He's like, one time I got out of the uh, the train station at Liverpool and I hailed a black cab and I sat in the back and he's like, and the guy goes like, ah, you're from London, are you? Ah, all them kids stabbing each other, eh? Fucking hang them. <laughs> like, like opening gambit. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I do feel though it's hilarious to point out that uh, the Labour Party intervened to deselect a bunch of mayoral can- candidates for Liverpool who are on an all-female shortlist because they didn't want left-wing candidates winning the the, the election, and they're going to if they're nominated because Liverpool is a massively left-wing city. And they've decided that the best the best thing that could happen to Liverpool is to support the Tories taking the city into administration in an unelected council basically this is sort of like uh like michael michael tamer taking over brazil illegally putting a guy who's massively corrupt and implicated in in that position because they basically want to discipline their biggest supporter city because basically the new labor party policy is anybody who voted for us is an anti-semite and should be put in jail Mm. like and they expect to win an election so and the, uh, and the council the, the council candidates were singing Maggie's in the mud away at West Brom. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's a fucking guy. Just it drives me nuts because until you you realize the point of Keir Starmer and the Labour right isn't to win elections, it's to uh, it's just to have jobs for life um, in constituencies that people can't basically people can't vote anything but you know either protest parties or the labor party they can't select their own candidates so long story short you just you, i don't know they 
it seems to me like their job is to destroy the left and to be the backup Tories and to have jobs for life in the safe seats that they get carved out in the sort of like rump state when the Tories... It's like a fucking, um, you know, designated survivors type situation where like the entire entire (laughs) Tory party has been wiped out and due to like a a weird constitutional quirk, Keir Starmer has to step in as Tory party leader. And look, there are also a bunch (laughs) of um, um, articles saying, oh, don't call it, no, it's not a Tory takeover. Actually, the councillors are apolitical and will just be managing the expenditure oh. of funds on regeneration oh, highways. Mm. Property expenditure management. of funds has never been political. Now, they, they did this in, in Michigan, sort of. Uh, the, the Republican governor uh, uh, and the Republican state legislature passed a, uh, an emergency manager's law uh, a few years after the financial crisis when the state was having money problems. And- you know what came of that was the Flint water crisis. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Because out of a desire to save like a, a similar amount to the amount saved by putting n- uh, non-fire retardant cladding on Grenfell Tower, they, they decided they could save, I mean, honestly, a pittance by instead of, if I, if I remember correctly, they were using water from the Detroit River to feed the Flint, Michigan water system. And they instead said, why, fuck that, let's just use the Flint River, which was so massively polluted from Michigan's history as an industrial center. And uh, because of the, if I remember correctly, because of the pollution content of the water that was going into people's taps, it caused old lead pipes to leach lead into the water. And that still hasn't been fixed. That was as of like 2013 Uh, or 2014. What's going to happen similarly to uh, Liverpool? Perhaps they will burn down the entire city. Uh, maybe they will replace the entire water supply uh, with Coca-Cola or just look to whatever nearest Tory donor has some kind of like scammy business in the nearby safe seat and turn over um, highway management to them so that uh, the streets are paved with marzipan. Hey, my long career as, as, as a uh, sex club owner operator in the entertainment business, I feel more than qualified to take over this uh, sanitation plant. <laughs> it's believe me, you have to do a lot of sanitizing down at the swingers club. I tell you what, those things don't clean themselves. Some of the things I've seen in there on a Sunday morning, they would make your stomach turn, frankly. <laughs> so look, That's why I implore the police. Yeah, mate. They don't give a fuck. We're, sp- we're supposed to be getting in an import of fucking bloody sex asses, but it's stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> Got to take over a new job. Given a so- British canal, canal boat drivers having their sandwiches confiscated by Egyptian police because of the bloody EU. <laughs> so look, given uh, all I can say to conclude this little section, uh, given uh, Genrick's uh, history with uh, real estate developers such as uh, Richard Desmond. I am sure many will be paying uh, top dollar to attend a Zoom conference on Pebble Dash with him, which will be fascinating. A Zoom conference on Pebble Dash? Oh, I, I assume that's what they might do. Well, Robert Jenrick, stop stealing Britonology content. <laughs> I found this company. It's called Better Up. Sam, what do you think Better Up does? I think that uh, Better Up is. Oh, geez. I think it is a. Uh, is, is it like something to do with small houses? Well, I'll tell you that since 2013, we have been pioneering growth for the whole person. Is it for chaps and blokes? Yes, it's related uh, to chaps and blokes. There's a lot of blokes who, you know, might not be, uh, might not be feeling so great. And, you know, they are, they're, but they're chaps too and blokes. Yeah. And it's important that those chaps, you know, they have blokes to talk to. Yes, that is essentially the business. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> More or less the business, yes, Milo, you've kind of nailed it. But it's American. Wait, so it's like uh, a men's no, wellness no, not literally thing? Chest. you, you got to check in on your dudes. No, no. I, Milo's only referencing who's recently become involved in it. It is um, Prince <laughs> Harry. Indeed, yes. This is the startup ah. that Prince Harry has joined. 
uh, as their chief impact officer. So, um, Hell yeah. They say, we believe that well-being and peak performance go hand in hand. And through custom support... <laughs> that you may not like it, <laughs> but this is what peak performance well-being. looks like. Uh, and through custom support and strengthening mental fitness, you unleash your personal and professional potential. The Better mm-hmm. Up experience brings together world-class coaching, AI technology, and behavioral science to deliver change at scale. I love change at scale. Improving individual resilience, adaptability, and effectiveness. So it's like a <laughs> Navy SEAL training, but for like doing JavaScript and how being confident about it. How effective are you feeling it. today? They don't teach you how to do JavaScript, but they will like teach you. Like, it's like coaching. It's like life coaching. He's joined a life coaching company. Okay, cool. Um, and He's Jeremy from Peep Show. I, I, I just wonder, how is this going to be used by um, various levels of government here to uh, replace what pitiful social services we have? Uh, well, uh, imagine if uh, instead of you know, getting, say, mental health care, uh, there was someone mm-hmm. who told you to uh, do better at your job. Hmm. Oh, okay. Here we are. So you've been it, fired from like, your job. It, well, this reminds me a lot of when I got fired from my job as a prince. <laughs> well, you don't really get it if you get fired from your job. <laughs> Mostly, it's provided to you by organizations who will subscribe to it, uh, basically. And then they use an AI system to tell you, like, what kind of confidence boosts you need. And then someone calls you on the phone and tells you you're doing a good job. It's and worth billions they, of dollars. And they give your boss private information about your therapy? That I don't know. However, I do, they give it. They give you, um, uh, you uh, uh, grouped information, not individual. So, so you pay someone and they treat you like a golden retriever. Uh, your your boss pays them. I mean, some people would. Certain government ministers. Yeah, your your boss definitely pay them and treat you like a golden retriever. Um, uh, you can pay for it You're if you want to be treated like a golden retriever, I suppose. Okay. So, what did you say this was uh, called again? Do they have a uh, website? Better up. Or? Okay. Um, and. You can just apply to do this. Yeah, you can be treated like, oh, I know what you're doing. Oh. So th- this could be something where your boss will be like, why do you want to form a union? We just subscribed you to better up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We, we, why do you want to form a union where you can just hire a dom? Yeah, why would you need a union when you can just be chaps? Blokes. What, so, what is more of a union than the fellas? Milo, please uh, read Prince Harry's statement. Okay. First of all, I'm really excited to be joining the better up team and community. Thanks for having me. I firmly believe that focusing on and prioritizing our mental fitness unlocks potential and opportunity that we're, sorry, I'm reading ahead and fuck me, that we never knew we had inside of us. As the Royal Marines commandos say, it's a state of mind. We all have it in us. The Royal Marines commandos don't say that. Some marketing people came up with that for the, anyway. Um, the Royal Marines commandos probably say something like, oh, hey, get that guy's ear. I want to put it on my necklace. No, hold on. I, I, I know exactly what the Royal Marines commandos say. The Royal Marines commandos say, Good morning, mate. It is 4 a.m. British time. And you will retract your foreskin and use it to salute. That's right. They say things like, uh, I, b- I believed he was going to shoot me, sir. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, be- <laughs> Sorry, I have to go back into the right voice. Being attuned with your mind and having a support structure around you are critical to finding your own version of peak performance. What I've learned in my own life is the power of transforming pain into purpose. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, the pain of being a prince. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my man's pain of shooting random people in Afghanistan, yeah. and like, uh, by pain he means their pain, not his own. Transforms their pain into national purpose. During my decade in the military, I learned that we don't just need to build physical resilience, but also mental resilience. And in the years since, my understanding of what resilience means and how we can build it has been shaped by the thousands of people and experts I've been fortunate to meet and learn from. People and experts. <laughs> That's right. The experts people, who are ghouls. Experts. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, one, one, one more bit, and then we can leave off this uh, awfulness. In addition to this shared philosophy, what caught my attention about BetterUp was that the company's mission to unlock the potential in people everywhere necessitates innovation, impact, and integrity. Their team has been delivering on that work for years. I was also impressed by the scale and opportunity for impact, the ability to change millions of people's lives for the better through a combination of human connection, leading technology, and behavioral science. Thank you for that UCAS personal statement, <laughs> Prince Harry. Like, what kind of what kind of seventeen year old applying for a business degree at Durham fucking shit is that? I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try one uh, uh, in his voice. As BetterUp's chief impact officer, my goal is to lift up critical dialogues. I'm doing Vincent Price. Nosferatu, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fucking Riley Enigma machine for accents <laughs> once again. I personally found... Yes, it. It's BetterUp, I'm going to extract the pain from Join all of our users. <laughs> so, are you familiar with mental performance? extracted the pain. <laughs> As BetterUp's chief impact officer, my goal will be to lift up critical dialogues around mental health. He became American so fast. Oh, he yeah. became an because um, that's how American aristocrats talk. They talk about uh, lifting up dialogues and highlighting voices and uh, opening spaces and things like this, things of this nature. This is why you see, obviously, the British press for the wrong reasons think he's a traitor to Britain. I think he's a traitor to Britain for the right reasons, which is that he's betraying the one core British value, which is shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like just don't, just like if you're gonna if you're gonna quit the royal family, just shut the fuck up for the rest of your life. No one cares. Just, yeah. just please, just go away. Do not be saying about how you're gonna like uplift narratives or whatever the fuck. <laughs> don't do any of that American shit. Just shut the fuck up. Go be a Nazi on an island somewhere. <laughs> well, actually, you said uplift narratives is uh, one of his four key areas in driving advocacy and awareness for mental fitness. It, he intends to... Um, <laughs> call for a social responsibility, Black Lives Matter. Uh, we can and will elevate the global conversation around mental health. Elevate the global conversation? Well, it's that down sounds like here. a public enemy lyric. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's down at the ground floor, and he wants to bring it up to the mezzanine where the good restaurants are. I'm sorry, that was harsh on public enemy. It's more like a vanilla ice lyric. <laughs> yeah, um, so he wants to elevate the conversation... And uh, he wants to uh, influence the vision of BetterUp's platform. And he wants to guide their social mission to bring the impact of science and peak performance and human potential into the hands of people worldwide. Why do they keep saying peak performance? Has he joined a cult? <laughs> I, it it kind of feels like he has. Um, are any of you familiar with uh, Dr. Kawashima's brain training? I've recently <laughs> uh, been introduced to the Nintendo DS. I don't know if anyone's... Anyway, I've gotten really good at Sudoku. And I think that's something that we can expand through the UN. <laughs> the difference between cult speak and random Silicon Valley companies is really marginal. It's almost as though. Mm. Anyway, well, uh, moving on. Sort of reminded of uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, we were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like Absolutely. oh, we have to vibes. Almost we have kind to of trash uh, future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Talking about sh share space and and and, uh, and, and you know and we're shared connections and uh, we're elevating voices here is what we're doing. That's right. We are elevating voices. Hey, I'm elevating voices. We here. are oh. elevating voices up and down the country. Don't you elevate your voice to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, so when he elevates his voice, he's my son. <laughs> that's, that's what the queen says. Um, but what I think is, so basically, like he is joined as uh, a, as him, he is himself a marketing operation of this firm, uh, which is like, we've actually got Prince Harry on staff, like from the Oprah interview. Um, and but he's gonna be there. Basically, uh, have you heard of the Crown? Well, they like they made it into a real thing, and we got the guy. <laughs> we got the guy. So we, but they're basically, and and he's basically got like a busy box where he's like, I'd like to open up life coaching to the people of Swaziland. 
That's right. Um, lots of people in Swaziland, they've never been life coached uh, because, you know, <laughs> um, right. Are, are we going to elevate their voices around mental health? I honestly, I went to Swaziland and no one even knew what a vibe was. And so that was sort of a gift that I gave them. Me. Just can't wait till the Democratic Party gets its hands on this and turns it into access to life coaching. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, there's, there have been rumblings from Democratic insiders that they want to make a no joke Harry and Meghan into Democratic surrogates. Oh, yeah. Let me give you let me give you three words here. Senator Prince Harry. I can't. Oh, yeah, well, I guess you could be a Senator you Harry. You couldn't, I don't you couldn't know be. A, a president, but you could do a, you could do whatever else. You could do an right? Arnold. He could Actually, be a governor. Sam, you know all about this. Well, the the flip side of this is that it's it's hilarious that uh, Republicans suddenly like you know for years and years and years they'd be like oh you know oh, we don't like that queer monarchy crap. And now the second that someone says, actually, did you know that the British crown might be racist? That now, no joke, the Heritage Fund is holding events being like, oh, now the left wants to cancel uh, an, an important institution for upholding Western democracy. Y'all hear that they took gollywogs <laughs> off the jam? Honestly, I don't know what any of those words mean, but it sounds bad. <laughs> across, across Atlantic Basilike, like yeah. a NATO, but for being a real piece of shit. Uh, it's called being like English. NATO. Y'all should look it up. <laughs> No, rocket. Wait, isn't a NATO yeah. for being a piece of shit just? I NATO? already said that, Alice. <laughs> yeah, I what know. Gets but me, I was saying what what gets me about it is, um, yeah, the extent to which, like, the same people who ten years ago, you know, twelve years ago, were were completely busting a wad about reenacting the Tea Party, are now like actually the guys whose tea we were throwing in Boston Harbor. We fucking love them. Yeah, we ben, ben be Shapiro like them. has been uh, big on this, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Heritage uh, Foundation just held an event today with uh, Ian Duncan Smith. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. And oh, uh, Camilla Tomini, who oh, yeah. you might know well, I, I as know the well. associate editor from the Daily Telegraph. Tim Montgomery. He's one of those. Um, Tim Montgomery. Has the the at the end Fuck of his name, guy. guys. Oh. Yeah, oh, Tim Montgomery. Yeah, he's he's a he's one of the like the leader people at the cow site, um, and he fucking sucks. Yeah, wow, cool. Ian Duncan Smith for American listeners who don't yeah, know British politics dash, yeah. uh, was like the architect of Tory yeah. austerity. Basically, our uh, the tea thing. I, I, it's like to show that your solidarity with like Middle Eastern Christians or something. Oh, it's the noon, not the not the not the tea, not the tea. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's, oh, a, it's right. a letter. The guys who actually make ISIS look cool yeah, by yeah, defining yeah, yeah. themselves <laughs> as the, as being in opposition to. They're them. up there for me with uh, the Ukrainian flag emoji Twitter, like yeah. very similar energy. So, um, the other thing before we get off of uh, of Prince Harry is that on the same day he also quietly announced that um he's joining the Aspen Institute's Commission on Information Disorder as a commissioner. Information oh, disorder. Oh hell yes! That sounds like a fucking block party album. So he he's going to be like one of those <laughs> uh like one of those prop or not guys who uh scours the internet for Russian disinformation, mm. such as be, America may have committed the thing war about crimes. Russian disinformation is it stops you from checking in on your chat. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've I've located the Russian disinformation system here at Metro Stop Disinformatska. <laughs> yeah, and we'll right. be uh, <laughs> uh, also also working with him is. Uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch's uh, daughter-in-law, uh, cool, who mm -hmm. also co-founded an institute called the Quadrivium Institution. 
Amazing. Oh yeah. I think we should we should go medieval on these bitches. I really want people learning, you know. Someone with close ties to Rupert Murdoch couldn't possibly be pro disinformation. The Quadrivium yeah. Institute. It's so it's so funny also to be like the failed children of Rupert Murdoch because like what you've like you've nepotized your way into being evil. Like you couldn't even be evil on your own terms. Like your evil dad like got you an internship at being evil. Well, so the Quadrivium Institute p- uh, promotes democracy, technology, <laughs> and society, scientific understanding. Yeah, man, sure. The fucking like, quintessence. Well, quintessence in it, 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 does, it does make me very happy to know that, like, all of the worst chuds in America, like the Republican uh, establishment, all those people, their hangers on, are like hosting people, like, like failed Tory MPs, uh, weird lords, telegraph editors, like members of the Charles Martel Foundation, or like the Gates of Vienna Institute, or some shit <laughs> like that. Like, it's just. But the idea that like they're going to coalesce around like fighting the woke left or whatever, because they're going to import all this shit from Britain, but that like it's all in defense of the thing that probably makes the least sense to Americans and that would be the the thing that they would be least likely to support in any serious way. I actually want a think tank that starts with the reanimated corpses of like 16th century guys, <laughs> which is like, verily, we are experiencing problems. I don't know why they're French. Is this 16th century? Oh. Everyone was French, you yeah. see. Yeah, but like, I, see, like, it, it, I think it makes perfect sense to me, actually, that Americans would support the British monarchy because to them, it just means all the same thing, which is uh, brutal imperial management. Um, and now we're in, in charge of the empire. You know, before we were in charge of the empire, yeah, we didn't want that because we wanted to be in charge of the empire. Now we are, and so and it, it's it's the Greece to our Rome. Yeah, Wait, and also on, and it also and it also infuriates uh, the people who we designed all of our politics around infuriating, who are basically people who are gesturing helplessly at not wanting to be this blood-soaked mm. imperial colossus anymore. So I think it makes perfect sense that they're all aligned together. Wait, does that mean that the lingua franca of the American upper class has to be uh, British English now? That's right. <laughs> Just like in, in public, they're all like, oh, we are going to promote a peaceful transition of power. And then in private, they're all like, oh, pass me the water, governor. Yeah, British, yeah. The, the royal English <laughs> yeah. like that. Uh, uh, pass me the water. It's called being bleeding English. So, hey, um, anyway, Have you that's... heard of Peaky Blinders? <laughs> so, look, before we, before we start sort of timing out on other things, Sam... There's a reason that we uh, we asked you here, and it wasn't just to uh, say the names of British people to you. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll, fun <laughs> though that is. Yeah. Um, here on the To Catch a Predator podcast. So we... uh, you have been... I still want to go back to trying my Scouse accent. <laughs> uh, well, hey, if you, want, <laughs> if you want to, and you want to uh, do another take of this last segment, you can do that. Yeah, welcome to Accent yeah. Future. This is what all episodes turn into if, we, if Riley doesn't keep yep, us on track. That's right. Uh, so... You have written an article on a case that is being scheduled to go before the Supreme Court uh, in the U.S. So it uh, actually, the oral argument was Monday. So uh, the oral argument has already happened, but the, um, it still takes a while for the actual decision to come out. Um, mm. But the, yeah, the case is basically, uh, it is about a California labor farm labor regulation uh, with wide-ranging implications in, in terms of the uh, legal challenge of it. Uh, I love mm. when the, uh, what, 6-3 Federalist Society Vampire Supreme Court mm. gets to decide a case with wide-reaching implications. Wait, six of them are Federalists and three of them are vampires. <laughs> Uh, um, no, more or less. Obviously, it's also quite hard to understand what goes on in the American Supreme Court because uh, all the proceedings are conducted in Geordie. <laughs> That's like, right. How <laughs> The gentleman will speak. <laughs> so, 
um, effectively, what ha- with there's this case, Cedar Point Nursery versus Hasid, um, and what th- what has happened basically, as far as I understand it, is that um, the this uh, this 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 farm, uh, in association with like every Koch brother dark money front in the in the U.S., has basically filed uh, to say, hey, you if, if I'm go I'm basically trying to be institute stand your ground for farmers versus union organizers. Sort of, yes. I mean, it is they basically um, their argument was that property owners have a. Uh, uh, a sacred right to exclude, quote unquote, a right to exclude, which uh, fr- anyone they want from their property, which coincidentally was what a Atlanta motel owner used in 1964 to try to argue against the Civil Rights Act, which is that I am a property owner and I have the right to exclude black people from my motel. And uh, it didn't hold up then. And they're... <laughs> They're trying it again in the context of of union organizing. Now, it's uh, in in the context of farm labor. It's it's so I I guess maybe what would be good is to go into some of the history uh, behind this rule. It's called the Access Regulation, and uh, it came about after organizing by uh, Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta and the uh, United Farm Workers in the 1960s. And they, at first, the UFW did not want to rely on any kind of legal protections. And I should take a step back and say that as well, the, uh, when the U.S. passed uh, legal protections for union organizing and collective bargaining in the 1930s, there was a big racist carve out for agricultural labor and domestic labor because they wanted to get the support of uh, Democrats in the Jim Crow South. So fast forward to the 60s, farm workers have no labor rights. Uh, The UFW is fighting for them, but they at first they reject a legal solution instead relying on more radical solutions, um, picketing, campaigning, boycotts, whatever, to force bosses to the table. Now, they, they changed their calculus in the early 70s. This was after the UFW started making headway. And uh, what happened was that uh, growers sort of uh, used the Teamsters to fight the UFW. The Teamsters uh, back then were... Uh, as you might know, if you've seen The Irishman, they were mobbed up. They were, uh, they could be management friendly as they were in this case. And uh, they basically waged violent, uh, I, war is maybe a bit strong, but they, 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 they literally fought the UFW in, uh, in various rural California areas. And uh, there, there's actually a, a really good Rolling Stone piece from the 70s that goes into this, and there, there's a, a funny bit from it that uh, it might be good to read here, which was, uh, the most popular UFW response to the Teamster muscle has been the picket line. As a group, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Chauffeurs, Warehousemen, and Helpers has been shortened to Los Gorillas. Some mornings, the pickets bring bananas tied to the ends of poles and dangle them at the Teamster line. 
The Teamsters have been carrying thick sides, thick sticks, getting tans, and picking up Spanish. When they do, the shouting has been known to hurt their feelings. So, <laughs> so these big thuggish Teamsters are having their feelings hurt. And so, here, here's a quote: "I never called their mother none of them names." The one called King Kong said, "It ain't fair." Good. <laughs> Why is he calling himself King Kong? <laughs> We've enlisted this giant ape. To help us crush the unions. So basically, after this, uh, after this fighting, after getting attacked by the Teamsters and having their ranks thinned out and such, uh, Chavez and the UFW started turning to a legal solution, which is where the access regulation comes in. Well, actually, first, California passed the California Agricultural uh, Labor Relations Act, or CALRA, and that basically provided farm workers in California with the same rights that uh, workers had under the National Labor Relations Act elsewhere. But even that was not enough to guarantee uh, farm workers had the right to collectively bargain. Mm -hmm. So what the um, regulators did, the, the agricultural regulators did in California, was they passed a rule called the Access Regulation, which basically said that union organizers... You have to give union organizers access to the farm. And the reason was, was because a lot of these farm workers, they either lived on the property where they worked, or they lived in housing that was provided by employers, and they were bused to and from the property by the employers. So basically, it's like, if you don't let union organizers actually talk to them, they're, they have, they're never going to have access um, to, to any sort of honest source of information about their rights yes. on the job. But have you considered that um, that is technically quartering troops to let union organizers <laughs> onto a farm? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just like, it, it, mm. like agricultural kafala, yeah. which is yeah. cool. Yeah. Welcome to the Third Amendment no, podcast. It, is it the Third Amendment? Yeah. The third. yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that, Riley, because at some point during the oral arguments, Clarence Thomas, uh, brain genius Clarence Thomas said, what, what's the difference between this and the government just like seizing your land so that police can train there? Yeah, what is the... I couldn't possibly think of a material difference between letting someone people walk say onto your property to have a conversation with someone there and the government expropriating you. It's very cool. And, and another ridiculous aspect of this is that the, uh, the lawyers for the growers, which uh, they were with a, a group called the Pacific Legal Foundation, which gets its money from Sounds the like same cokes who, who, who funneled money into uh, lobbying for a third of the court to be confirmed. Mm. Like the the same people who are paying these lawyers were also uh, basically supported the uh, confirmation of Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, and Amy Coney Barrett. So you know, make of that what you will. But they were arguing that the time limitations should make no difference, and they were arguing that because it has been calculated that labor organizers actually only get the equivalent of 4% of an entire year to make their case, uh, to have access to the property. And not only that, but they have to apply ahead of time with California regulators. And if the growers want to contest the access, they can mm -hmm. in a streamlined way. 
And, and the thing is, that's the exact same thing as the government having to do drag queen story hour in your kid's bedroom. <laughs> and, and, and and you know what? And you know, I hear you get you get shot out of a cannon if you if you even if you aren't even enthusiastic about it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The union organizers are going onto the farms to turn all of your workers into femboys, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> oh, there's nothing I can do about it. Oh no. Um, right. So, How am I supposed to work when I'm this horny? <laughs> right. So. Um, well, that's that. Uh, so that seems to be sort of where where we are now. And one of the things that I'm very interested in about this as well is uh, you mentioned that the people funding the lawyers are the same people that funded the judges, but there's another uh, group that they're funding, which is dozens and dozens of right wing think tanks, all of which are filing amicus briefs on behalf of the growers. <laughs> That are it's, it's like it's yes. like it's like in The Simpsons with that um when Homer goes to the Duff Brewery and you see Duff Dry Duff Duff Light and Duff Dry and it's just the same beer coming out of one tube and into three different vats. It's all the same people. Yeah, and they, and and um one of them I think it was the uh, Institute for Legal Justice uh, was basically great arguing one. that great fucking name. <laughs> what about the Institute for they Illegal Justice? Uh, so. The, the, <laughs> Dave Courtney. There, there are two concepts here that I think need require explaining, um, or maybe even three. So basically, they're they're arguing that um, forcing the union organizers to have access to property violates the uh, part of the Fifth Amendment called the Takings Clause, which states that if the government takes your property, it it has to compensate you. Um, there are different types of takings. There are there is a regulatory taking which basically is like a limit, just the government saying like, okay, right, you can't um, burn dog shit in your backyard uh, because whatever, it, it, yeah, it why not? upsets the it's neighbors. It's still being English, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then there's a per se taking, which is more of like, more of a, of a, a cut and dry thing where the government says, look, we got to build this fucking railroad through your, through your farmland. Um, whether you like it or not, this railroad's going down, but you know we're going to pay you for a, a little bit for that. And the Institute for Legal Justice was basically like, you got to change, you got to change the doctrine on this because it's too hard to win on a regulatory taking. So they're basically just saying the court like, we got you got to let us play on easy mode. Um, there was another another uh, uh, brief that was filed. I believe it was the Mountain States Legal Found Foundation, and and their one of their arguments was that, um, and you know, maybe this isn't a big deal to to listeners of this podcast, and nor should it really be, but it, it's a big deal to people in the legal world because they're just basically like ignore the precedent. Mm. Yeah, sounds they're good. Saying that what if it, law was just all made yeah. up? Like we said at the beginning, what if it was just all kind of made up and you kind of do what you want? Yeah. What I, what I like about this, though, is that it, as it kind of has to be, by saying it's a taking, they're like sort of implying that, well, you couldn't possibly let the union organizer onto the land because what if the farmer wanted to, what, like rent that land that the union organizer happens to be standing on at that, at that, at, at, at that time? Like, I don't understand. What are they taking? What are they taking? They're taking, they're taking their right to exclude uh-huh. is what they are taking. Uh-huh. Right. But he's not charging for it. But he's not even charging for entry onto his property. Ah. Uh. Uh, 
These guys would be so much cooler if they were British because they'd be like reading the Magna Carta out at a union organiser. be like, <laughs> it says here in Latin, you should have a basic grasp of Latin if you're a union organiser. It says here that it's against my religion for you to step on my property. But also, this could have wide-ranging implications. Like, you could say, well, the, I, I exclude the health inspector from my restaurant. Mm, that's yeah. right. No, that that's exactly right. And that's that. this has alarmed many people for that reason. And... You know, like I said as well, like a right to exclude theoretically means you can discriminate and say, hey, you know what? I This is a, a white people only restaurant and that's the way it's going to be. All white people, guess what? no health inspectors. I'm- Let's go. It's called a theme. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that kind of whips. Health inspectors are not white. Yeah. The, the racism danger restaurant where like it's as racist <laughs> as you like, but like, oh, the food, you might die. Well, yeah, but it's the ultimate libertarian restaurant, which is no civil rights, no food standards. That's right. And lots and lots of high chairs. <laughs> <laughs> the court did seem a little skeptical of uh, these arguments. Um, but they were still like, there's still this like cloistered conservative legal mind that really uh, refuses to grapple with how this plays out in the real world. And they are, you know, they, they say that union organizers should be excluded because they are a quote unquote third party when really they're just representatives of one of the parties, uh, workers. And at one point, Neil Gorsuch said something to the effect of now he, he was talking with the um, lawyer from the Pacific Legal Foundation, and he was giving a friendly hypothetical, which was just like, so what if California passed a law saying that property owners had to give access to people to talk to workers about the downsides of joining a union? And it's what like- if that? Are, are you fucking stupid? That exists. Yeah. That's management. Yeah. That's what they do yeah. all the time. Or, or that's everyone who's right. That's ever, that's like the um the Pelican Institute for Public Policy or whatever. They already do that. I mean, I think it would be very funny though if you did legally have to give like Reason Magazine dorks access to your property to talk about like <laughs> the gold standard. Yeah, the government is making me quarter these guys from the fucking Vermilion Institute. <laughs> well, my, my, one of my favorite um, of the amicus briefs that was filed uh, in your uh, you wrote in your article, Sam, was uh, the Pelican Institute for Public Policy argued that the absolute right of po- of property owners to exclude others stretches back to ancient Mesopotamia. <laughs> yes, no, awesome. they they did that. Yeah, the, and ancient Rome yeah. and. That's right. How is this relevant? Yeah, well, because the, ge- I mean, the genius of uh, the of the capitalist household uh, is a is a a god that must be worshipped uh, through the yeah, uh, you know a, ritual I've exclusion got, I've of farmland here. I've invented a concept of irrigation, and I've got it's between all these rivers, right? And there's all these geezers trying to cross the river to talk to my workers about a union. Well, it says right here in the Code of Hammurabi, all right, that I don't have to <laughs> let anyone in uh, into my farm. <laughs> Yeah, just giving an amicus curiae deposition, you know, during oral arguments, you're like, actually, encased in amber is the first <laughs> landlord mosquito. And you know what? This thing tre- stretches back since time immemorial. <laughs> like, it's actually the law of human so, nature. Um, I want there's uh, speaking of Reason Magazine idiots, I did want to read a little bit from uh, Reason Magazine's Ilya Soman, um, who, uh, who wrote, the union organizer context makes it very easy to view this in crude left-right labor management terms. But if the Supreme Court rules against property owners, so unlike management's relationship with labor, 
conservative red state governments may easily may use the same power to their own ends. For example, they could compel, use it to compel abortion clinics to grant access to pro-life activists who seek to persuade patients. They already do. <laughs> yeah, they, they already, already do. fucking do. They, they already fucking do. They make doctors like give ultrasounds and they make doctors like talk about the downside of abortion. This is already something that fucking happens. In, in my home state, they make women fucking pay for funerals for their fetuses. Like, literally, literally, they've passed laws in Indiana reserving fucking parking spaces at abortion clinics for fucking for 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 pro-life protesters like they already do. this. Imagine imagine if they did it, Nate. What if they did it? Uh, Or the other one. Similarly, they could force businesses and other organizations that ban guns on their premises to give regular access to gun rights activists as long as it's only for a few hours a day. I mean, gun rights activists like they will just go in. They have a gun. Yeah, and and I mean, not to mention that, like, you know, people like can get on to the the, the, the most places with um with access to the public and and flyer anyway. Like, this is this is ridiculous. What everyone is really neglecting. I mean, not not to mention that, as I'm sure that Ilya Salman is probably aware that, for better or for worse, for, from our perspective, for better or for worse, that uh, labor rights aren't governed under uh the first amendment they're not governed under free speech they're governed under the commerce clause of the constitution so being a constitutional originalist libertarian you think you wouldn't like you know elide that difference uh in your uh terrible magazine it's almost as though um yeah but what everyone's forgetting here is the great impact this could have on youtubers because this could force police stations to give access to auditors which <laughs> i am very excited about i want the cops in like fucking miami to have to let in a guy with a camcorder just wandering around the cells going like yeah i'm just having a look <laughs> it's a british guy yeah it's a british guy yeah businesses businesses can't keep out gun rights activists right like you know as long as they're not open carrying like a guns right activist can go into a hospital where guns are banned and like, you know, hand out a few flower, uh, flyers and, and whatever, hand like guns, you know, they're probably going to, they're probably going to be ushered out eventually, but you know, that's, it, it, uh, I don't know. Like, look, don't forget it's, it's reason magazine, the, it, which exists in a totally frictionless, completely flat world. So obviously none of these differences actually matter because the all all the ideas just boil down to oh yeah well, you don't you don't want to do this one thing well what about this other completely unrelated thing I bet that yeah you don't want to let union organizers onto the farm to like hand out some basic literature to workers so long as they apply to and are approved by management and only do it for four percent of the year well what if you had to let off a nuclear bomb in a preschool yeah. And it wasn't in one of the places where we do want to do that. Yeah, and it wasn't in Bristol. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, And of course, Reason Magazine gets, or has in the past, got some of its funding from the Coke. Really, it's it's all just different arms of the Coke empire talking to one another, effectively, and about Mm. one another. Yes. Uh, To include basically two Supreme Court justices who are fucking hearing these arguments, yes. Three. Three. Actually, not two. Oh yeah, good point. Are they the vampires? Oh, I, for- I forgot all about Amy Comey Barrett. Jeez, but, um, yeah. Also, I'm I'm noting we're sort of getting getting close to time a little bit. So, uh, Sam, uh, do you want to give any final thoughts on this matter before we close out and play Radar Van by Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads on the free one? I, I guess I would say that having uh, listened to the oral arguments, is that it doesn't 
it doesn't sound like the worst case scenario of uh you know owning civil rights law to 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 hand a, a victory to farm workers and the Koch brothers or Koch brother sorry <laughs> um it doesn't look like the worst case scenario is going to happen now that said this is this is still really grim like even if this is very narrow and undermines the access regulation well first of all it opens the door for all sorts of legal challenges to other uh, regulations under the uh, the principle of the right to exclude, and that could cost a lot of of money to various uh, state and local governments trying to enforce safety, et cetera. That could have a chilling effect on regulations. But even assuming it's so narrow that all it does is is undermine the access regulation, right? Like we're talking about depriving some of the most downtrodden workers in the Western Hemisphere of like. The only, uh, uh, the only honest source of information about their rights on the job, and some people, including Brett Kavanaugh, were basically arguing that well, there are alternatives. Uh, you know, you don't need to let union organizers invade your property in order to tell workers of their rights. And the answer is actually no. You fucking do, mm. because there are something like one hundred and seventeen thousand. Uh, plus farm workers in California who their first language is neither Spanish nor English. And it is, in many cases, they speak an indigenous Mexican language of which there is no fucking written form. Yeah. So uh, you cannot, re- you cannot like reach them by WhatsApp. This is, this is essentially a, a, a another sort of um, uh, piece of uh, cruel humiliation meted out to uh, ordinary workers in America uh, by uh, again this one small coterie of freaks, um, and and I don't I don't mean to you know go on and on and on here, but they're also a lot of them make like seventeen thousand dollars a year, and they don't have you know they don't have the money to get smartphone data and also to try to use it in in a place where cell phone reception is spotty at best. So even even the best case scenario for the outcome of this case, uh, the likely best case scenario, I mean, it's possible that that Clarence Thomas is going to wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? I'm tired of being a sociopath, but <laughs> that is probably not going to happen. So the, the likely best case scenario of this is like needlessly cruel to uh, some of the most exploited human beings uh, on this side of the uh, the Greenwich, whatever, the Western Hemisphere. Well, it, with all of that being said, I think then it is time to say, uh, caller number 40, Sam Knight of the District Sentinel yeah, really District Sentinel call. Radio. Thank you very much for uh, calling in, but I'm afraid the correct answer was Shawadi Wadi. Better luck next time. <laughs> but you've won this free bully mug and a speedboat. <laughs> uh, no, uh, for real. Sam, thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Um, it was an honor. Is there anything that you'd like to plug? You can follow uh, my work at the DC Sentinel. Um, throw us a few a few quid at uh, patreon.com slash the uh, district sentinel. And uh, we also have a, a weekly newsletter now, um, districtsentinel.substack.com. And uh, yeah, check us Join out. Join the ranks of Matty Glacius and Barry Weiss. Chuck the geezer a monkey or a pony. Uh, he needs a bit of moolah. That's right. So um, with all that being said, uh, I want to also thank you for listening. 
uh, mm. to this podcast. Don't forget, we also have a Patreon, second episode a week, five bucks a month. Uh, it is a bargain at any price, but it's specifically a bargain at that price. That's right, yeah. yeah. And don't forget to listen to all of the TF spinoffs. You've got Kill James Bond. You've got The Bottleman. You've and got Masters of Our Domain. You've got Hell of a Way to Die. You've got 10K posts. We've got the, the stream in three minutes. We have. <laughs> we is, certainly have. <laughs> which That's is, three minutes now, not three minutes when you're listening, <laughs> which will be not now. All right. This uh, has been the free one. <laughs> this has been Riley and the free one. And now, Johannes Vonk and the Clogheads, Radar Van. Excuse me, we just need to check if you have a television. We're sitting in our radar van. We're on your streets. We're investigating if you watch TV. We'd like to ask some questions of you over tea. But you don't have to let us.